Could you believe we made it to 100 episodes of Hooked on Sports? Wow, 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 wow. This is so much fun. I was finally able to get to 100 podcasts. And I know there's like this thing where so few podcasts make it to 100 episodes. So thank you to everybody who supported this, have supported this podcast for the last year and a half. But... We still have a lot to talk about this week, and, I, and we're going to be all over the, the Yankees and, and their struggles recently. We're going to get into the genius of Jake DeGrom. We're going to get into some Stanley Cup playoff actions, uh, some NBA playoffs action. I'll get into the, the latest with Aaron Rodgers and, and his Packers situation. Aaron Rodgers um, it, it held out of, of mandated minicamp this week, and that, that's not a surprise. And I'll get into all of those topics. But we do have a big story to break, uh, to talk about, and this book on Sunday afternoon. So without any further ado, let's get right to it. But we have to begin this 100th episode of Hooked on Sports with... A bi- the biggest NFL trade so far this uh, this offseason concerning a star player, as the Atlanta Falcons traded Julio Jones and a 2022-2023 sixth round pick to the Tennessee Titans in exchange for a 2022 second rounder and a 2023 fourth rounder. Uh, as the trade was announced on Sunday morning, the news broke. Uh, the story broke by you know, by Ian Rappaport on. Sunday morning, and look, this is a big-time deal for the Tennessee Titans, and you, you, th- 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 this changes everything in, in regards to, to, to the uh, to the wild card situation in terms of the hierarchy in the AFC. Now, do I think that that Julio Jones, a uh, uh, Julio Jones-led Tennessee Titans, would would um, so uh, would, would be in the same class with? Apache Mahomes and the Chiefs, Baltimore, Buffalo, whatever. Probably not. Uh, but I, I, I think that ten- Tennessee saw something. They saw a major weakness, and, and they went after the, the, what they were going for. And let, let's be honest here. This is a. You know, this was a de- a, uh, a position of desperate need for the Tennessee Titans. They they needed a, a, a pass catching threat. Uh, alongside AJ Brown, they lost John Smith to New England. They lost Corey Davis in free agency to the New York Jets, and I I think that, that this solves a lot of problems uh, for, for the Tennessee Titans. But now, let's not pretend that the Tennessee Titans are instantly going to the, to the Super Bowl because they, they they acquired the services of Julio Jones. Because. I, I don't think that's going to happen in, in, with, with, with the setting the AFC is in because an already competitive AFC got a lot more competitive with, with this trade, and you 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 can factor in the um you you can you can fa- factor in um, Indianapolis in that division, and I'm still going to pick Indianapolis to win the division regardless of of Julio Jones uh, because I think. Uh, th- their defense is stronger uh, the, at the, the Tennessee's, and I think Tennessee's defense it, it is weaker than, than Indianapolis's, Indianapolis's offense. 
So I think Indianapolis is still the more complete team. But I think Titans fans uh, should start dreaming about maybe a second successive division title. And and you can start dreaming about the team's fourth playoff appearance in five years. I don't think they're going to win the division, but I still think uh, they have a realistic chance to win 10 games with Julio Jones and with with that coaching staff with Mike Vrabel. And I think the Tennessee Titans are a team that I think could definitely be in the playoffs. So, so who who are the teams that 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 might be left out? You may, uh, that that deserve, have um that 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 deserve a lot of credit and praise for how they uh, built their teams together. The Miami Dolphins, the New England Patriots, the L.A. Chargers, the Titans. That, that, but and and there, there are so many t- uh, deserving AFC uh, teams when you, when you look at the playoff rosters. But we know there's there's going to be at least two or maybe three of them that that are going to be left out of the playoff picture uh, come, come the middle of January. And uh, t- t- Tennessee had a top, top five offense a year ago, and I certainly think the offense uh, can can be, can re- replicate the numbers from last year. I just think the defense uh, still has issues here. And I and I think that's why I don't. If Tennessee makes the playoffs, I don't think their stay in the playoffs is going to take very long. But let's be honest here: the 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 the, the Julio Jones to Tennessee trade was a super big deal. Was a was a, it's a very very big deal for the Tennessee Titans, and they had a very very big night. They they they, they put the chips in with it where they felt is needed. But what about the Falcons? The entire situation with the Atlanta Falcons should not be it should not be totally hopeless for, for any any sense of the imagination. I I think the the Atlanta Falcons what what they did this off season is to do a lot of smart a lot of positive things uh, that 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 can that can uh, alleviate a potential uh, departure of Julio Jones and. And and look for a Falcons fan perspective that 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 Julio Jones. Um, uh, what was it was uh, emotionally attached to Falcons fans for, for the last decade and the accolades, um, his role in Atlanta going to the Super Bowl. That will never be taken away from, from Falcons fans, and that will never be taken away from, from Julio Jones, regardless of, of how that outcome went. But 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 this was a trade that I think had, that that had to happen, and I'll, I I can argue why I think the Atlanta Falcons won this trade over the Tennessee Titans. It, it's it's weird to think that the Falcons fleeced some, someone or anything, but with with Terry Fontenot, with Arthur Smith try, trying to do something new after the the, the, the Dan Quinn era uh, uh, ended a lot a lot later than. What, what what should have happened? Th- there are several reasons why I think the Atlanta Falcons won this trade. F- f- first of all, let let's take a look at at, ne- at next year's draft. So the Falcons get a 2022 th- uh, second round pick in next year's draft, and 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 because 2022 is an odd, odd uh, is going to be a non draft because you can have a super large pool of talent because a lot of people didn't want want to play because of COVID. There are going to be a significant amount amount of players that they'll be able to play this season and declare for the draft, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So depending on where the Atlanta where where the Titans finish, that that let's assume Tennessee Tennessee it gets bounced out of the wild card game. This the the. The, the Falcons' other second-round pick will be in the low to mid-50s. There is a realistic realistic chance, and I think it's more likely than not, that the Falcons wind up with with a, with 
a player that in a normal year would have would have a first round talent and a first round value. So I I think the, for for building of the future, I think that that's a big deal. I also I think I think it's important for for Arthur Smith to to establish a culture and and this and this is about a culture change and and have, have going into training camp with with a lot of uh, with a lot of uh, buzz and a lot of. Uh, noise about Julio Jones uh, and whether he, he he wants to play with Atlanta uh, anymore. I, I that that would have been a huge problem and would have uh, and Arthur Smith would have been asked so many questions about that in his press conferences. And I don't think that's how the the Atlanta Falcons wanted to address that with the team. Also, the salary cap is going to go up fifteen percent next year. The salary cap situation was was terrible for, for Atlanta. That I think. Julio Jones uh, had like a twenty million dollar hit against the cap or something like that. So the so the cap went uh, went from one hundred ninety seven million dollars last year. It dipped all the way down to one hundred eighty two million in twenty twenty one because of the pandemic. But in twenty in twenty twenty two, it goes up uh, all the way up to two hundred and eight million. But 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 the Falcons weren't able to push any of the, any of their dead money contracts into twenty twenty two. So they they needed to find a way to. Uh, get rid of uh, Julio Jones because it, it would have been a pain in the neck. Uh, not 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 only to uh, for um, for his contract, but also to ensure that all everybody in the rookie class signs uh, their their rookie contracts and and ensures them that they won't uh, go go over the salary cap. But 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 let's let's also look at at at, at um, the Falcons' uh, offense without. Julio Jones, and I look specifically at, at the case of Calvin Ridley, and Calvin Ridley uh, was, I, I've loved Calvin Ridley ever since he came out of Alabama, I thought the Falcons got an absolute steal of, uh, for, uh, with, with the 25th overall selection in the, tw- in the 2018 NFL Draft. And and la- and last year he he was fifth in the NFL with thirteen hundred and seventy four receiving yards and not, and also caught nine touchdowns which was top ten in the NFL. But but without Julio Jones, he, he, here are some here are some nuggets of jubilation if you're a fan of the Falcons. In the seven games Calvin Ridley played and Julio Jones didn't, Calvin Ridley averaged seven uh, seven catches for one hundred and nine yards in 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 the seven games he did not play. And also the the two games that they played against Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay's defense you, you, that that same defense that swarmed Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Um, Ten catches, one hundred sixty three yards, and a touchdown in the first game. Eight catches for fifty two yards in game in, in the second game. So, so, so Calvin Ridley proved last year loudly that he can handle the volume of being a number one wi- uh, wide receiver. Also. They, they they scored this offense scored nearly 400 points a year ago and Julio Jones did, did not play half of the season. Oh, and they drafted Kyle Pitts with the fourth overall selection in, in the NFL draft. Oh, and also that they they have Arthur Smith, one of the great offensive minds um, in the National Football League, calling the plays and 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 t- and he can absolutely t- t- take the offense to the the, the next level and. And all, and all this in mind, and also they have Matt Ryan, 
well, who, who has thrown for 4,000 yards in each of, uh, each of his last 10 seasons. So, so, so Matt Ryan's been consistent, no, no matter the coach. Um, uh, Calvin Billy has been consistent. Arthur Smith has been consistent. So I, I, I think the Atlanta Falcons uh, did, did everything they can this offseason with Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith to, uh, to do everything they can to uh, alleviate a potential loss of uh, a, a loss of Julio Jones. So the Falcons might have gone four and twelve last year, but if you, if you look more closely at, at the numbers, they scored three hundred ninety six points and they gave up four hundred and fourteen. So it was a minus eighteen, uh, minus eighteen uh, di- differential. And the Falcons have a lot more talent th- 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 than they uh, than their uh, f- a fi- final record indicated. And I, and I think the Falcons uh, should be able to uh, to make some noise this year. And uh, they, 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 with the 2023 fourth round pick, they they, they can use that as as, as a potential PR piece uh, to trade up in the 2023 NFL draft to uh, to get an, another elite talent. So I, I I we can look at the at the Falcons and the fan detachment. But if if you if you've looked at the other trade uh, uh, trades. Involving star wide receivers, that you, know, you you look at the DeAndre Hopkins trade. That was a situation where Texans fans knew in their hearts uh, uh, that it was going to be an abject failure because B- B- Bill O'Brien was the one that foolishly made the trade. Th- th- this was a case where I I believe the, the Atlanta Falcons uh, did did really really well uh, c- considering what they were up against. That. Yeah, a, lo- a lot of space on the cap cleared off, so it, it, so whatever leftover money they have, they they can spend it on free agents to, to to fill some holes throughout the season, and also the the um and also this this will allow um Arthur Smith to coach a younger, more talented offense. The defense is still going to have questions, uh, and and that that that's the thing, and that's what's going to hold. Atlanta back from from any playoff consideration, and also uh, the fact that Tom Brady is still in the division at, uh, with with the Super Bowl favorite Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So overall, I, I I think the Atlanta Falcons did really really well uh, when, when it's all said and done, and and I think uh, and, and I think the Falcons. You could argue uh, the t- t- Tennessee is going for it with Julio Jones. Make no mistake about that. But I, but I think at the end of the day, I think the Atlanta Falcons are going to wind up the long-term winners of this trade over the Tennessee Titans. Now, the other big name uh, that has been circling around the, the trade rumors is Aaron Rodgers and, and, and his situation with the Green Bay Packers. So, there have been so there has been some support from players uh, of the Packers in support of Aaron Rodgers, like David uh, David Bakhtiari and Devontae Adams. But I think Devontae Adams coming out coming out in support of Aaron Rodgers. I think that's a, that that to me is a is a big time deal because you you look at at the scope of what what the Packers are right the Packers. Uh, so Aaron Rodgers uh, is one of the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen, and and he had a wide receiver who who ma- who was maybe the best in the NFL this season in Devontae Adams. So he had the uh, he had so, so so many big plays for the Packers, but I think it's important uh, to, to understand that 
Sam, that the, the pressure with the Packers is squarely on the front office. And Aaron Rodgers has, 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 done, has done so many things. He's a late league MVP. He's won a championship with Green Bay. But... And there is and there is a a lot of uh, of uncertainty uh, and still with the Packers. I mean, that the, the Jordan Love pick what was has proven to be a disaster. That he 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 wasn't even a factor last season behind Aaron Rodgers. But but if if Aaron Rodgers if the Packers want Aaron Rodgers to return to to Green Bay, they have no they have no choice but to trade Jordan Love. That that that's the reality of the situation, and and, and every single year the 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 Packers ha, uh, have not drafted a wide receiver f- uh, in the first round for Aaron Rodgers, and th- th- there is this thing that the Jaguars have already drafted uh, a skill position player for um for Trevor Lawrence than the Packers uh, have ever done with Aaron Rodgers. So it's so it's time for for the Packers to uh, to um uh, to, to dust themselves off, roll, roll their sleeves up, and actually uh, go down and, and actually uh, actually uh, do things that will convince Aaron Rodgers to return to Green Bay. So I think the the, the Packers are are are, are and to, ha- and to me have no choice but to trade Jordan Love. So. We we look at the Packers, but I want to get into some Stanley Cup playoff action. Now I want to begin with 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 the West, and wow, what a what a series that that's been going down between the Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, the the Colorado Avalanche won the first two games, including uh, including an overtime winning game two. Then Vegas comes back, wins games three and four, and Marchesol scores uh, a hat trick in game four. And then game five happened. The, 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 it began with with, with Marc Andre Fleury allowing a gift goal uh, at the end of uh, at the end of the first period. Then then uh, Colorado scores again in in period number two, thing, uh, thanks to a snipe from Donskoy. But Vegas comes back. And they win the game in overtime, and that's gotta be a, a a punch to the throat if you're the Colorado Avalanche. Now, I think Colorado is going to win this series. I think they're going to win Game Six at T-Mobile Arena in Vegas, and then win Game Seven back in Denver. Uh, but you you can't uh, you can't lose a game like that, particularly to uh, to, uh, to a division rival like that. Now. Normally, in in normal set of circumstances, Colorado and Vegas are not in the same division. And if if Colorado actually actually beat uh, the Dallas Stars last year, they would have met up in the Western Conference Finals last year. But it, it's a different a different field, different season, and a different alignment for for the COVID regular season. So I I I'm very fascinated to see how Nathan McKinnon and uh, and and others step step up in the face of adversity and 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 the, and the Vegas po- of clearly posed the biggest problem to Colorado all season long and and it's proven that way again uh, this season uh, uh, during the playoffs. But how about the Montreal Canadiens sweeping? The Winnipeg Jets out of the playoffs. They've won seven con- successive postseason games, and they are on to the final four 
of the National Hockey League. They'll, they'll be they'll be playing the winner of the Colorado Vegas series uh, when when that series expires. But uh, but Montreal should not have been in this place anyway. And I referenced last week uh, uh, that 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 the entire Leafs. Canadian series that ended uh, last Monday revolved around the Maple Leafs. It was a referendum on the Maple Leafs. But Carey Price deserves a lot of credit too. He He's done a phenomenal job in the series. The defense has done a, has done a yeoman's job stepping up um, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And now a team that nobody expected to come out of Canada uh, to pl- uh, and play a uh, uh, Play with a chance to to uh, to win the Stanley Cup. That and that is just ne- next level awesome. If you are a fan of the Montreal Canadiens, and there has not been much for Habs fans to cheer about in the last uh, ten to t- or since the last twenty to thirty years, they have they have not won a Stanley Cup since nineteen ninety three. They're actually uh, the last Stanley Cup winning team from Canada that that, that I referenced it last week. But but I I have I have relatives that live in Montreal and and they're, they're Habs fans themselves and I I, I texted my uncle during d- during the game while I was watching the Islanders Bruins game and and the and the Jets Habs game was going on and 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 yeah and, and he knows the ups and downs of being a Montreal Canadiens fan. Montreal was up two nothing. Winnipeg scores twice to tie it, and then Montreal goes on to win it late. So the Montreal Canadiens have have just been a, a fascinating story, and we're going to see how Carey Price uh, goes up against one of those teams, and it, it's going to be a different feel for for Canada because uh, because they they have not played a team uh. They have not played a team outside Canada since the playoffs last year, since they lost in six games to the Philadelphia Flyers in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. So they're going to be going to either Colorado or Vegas over late late this weekend or early next week to play in Game One of the Final Four, which which really should be should be like what I call the Western Conference Finals, even though Montreal is in the East. So that that's going to be a, a a a fun matchup. Carey Price going up against either uh, against Marchessault or Ma- Max Pacioretty or Nathan McKinnon and and, and Don Scory and and the Colorado Avalanche. So that that's that that's the uh, another fun part. But how about in in the Eastern and Central divisions? The the uh, the Central division, the team that came out of it. Lightning heard about it. I told you the Carol, the Tampa Bay Lightning were going to take care of business against a young, physical, and fast Carolina Hurricanes team, and and I I just knew what watch watching that series, seeing how how Tampa uh, Tampa punched them in the face in in the first two games, and then the 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 wild seesaw affair on sat on Saturday afternoon in Game Four. Um, in Tampa, that 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 uh, Tampa proved that they can play any style of hockey and they can win in any style of hockey. The the low scoring games, the high scoring games, Tampa can absolutely win win the Stanley Cup. In Tampa, I, I think outside of Colorado and Vegas, I think they're clear they're clearly the best team remaining 
in the, uh, in the tournament outside of Colorado and uh, outside of Colorado, and 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 Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos they, they played a significant factor in in, in the series and. Braden Point uh, has been sensational as well. He scored uh, w- w- the opening goal in, in in Game Five, and Ross Colton scores to make it uh, two nothing Tampa. And and Carolina never really had a chance in that series. So Colorado isn't moving on. Tampa Bay is moving on. But how about the New York Islanders? My New York Islanders. Your New York Islanders. Our New York Islanders. There are three games to two in their series against the Boston Bruins. And so, and the New York Islanders, too. They can play any type of hockey they want and still win. And Barry Trotz, I mean, he's done a phenomenal job as uh, coaching up this team at, and... And, do, and doing what it takes to win in the, in the playoffs. And three years in a row now, the Islanders made it to the second round while John Tavares and the Toronto Maple Leafs stay home. And it, this is, this is all sorts of awesome if you're an Islanders fan. And that, th- there's, there's like a rite of passage uh, as, as Islanders fans because the, the early 80s generation, it, it was an annual tradition. That, 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 they'd be honking, let's go Islanders when, when leaving the Nassau Coliseum in May and June. And these, uh, these games, uh, that took place last week and the, and game six again tonight, these are the three, the first three games that have ever, uh, hockey games that have ever taken place in the Nassau Coliseum in the month of June. And so many different contributions from so many different levels. And Lou, pa- Lou Lamarillo deserves a ton of credit for building this team up from, uh, from, the, from the ground. And he's made so many smart trades. The Cal Palmieri trade, that, that's become the J.G. Pajot trade from last winter. That pa- uh, Pajot, uh, uh, the, he, the, he didn't do much in the regular season after he was traded from the Ottawa Senators. Now, now Cal Palmieri is scoring power play goals left and right, and he is as big an offensive contributor as anybody. Matt Barzell was fantastic. Brock Nelson scored what proved to be uh, the, the game deciding goal early in the third period to make it five to two before the final became five four. The um, it's a Sabian Varlamov. I uh, he gave he gave he, he he's been a, a little shaky early on in in, in these games, but. Yeah, he deserves a lot of credit. And the Bruins outshot the Islanders 44 to 19 in game five, and they still lost. And I, I could just, I could just harken back to two years ago when, when the Bruins were in the Stanley Cup finals. The series was tied at two. Game five rolls around and they went over three, over four on the power play against, against Jordan Bennington and the Blues and the Blues held up their own. I don't know how the Bruins belong in the, in the, in, uh, in a series against the Tampa Bay Lightning after that, after that performance last, uh, last night and Tuka Rask was horrendous, and Jeremy Swayman gave up the uh, the winning goal. Remember, uh, remember Jeremy Swayman, who who punched, uh, who's who um who, who uh, beat the Philadelphia Flyers in his first NHL start. This was the same Jeremy Swayman that gave up a goal to Brock Nelson, which which proved to be proved proved to be the game winner, and. 
Uh, I don't know how the Bruins recover from this. I I know I, I know that there hasn't been there's not such a thing as home ice advantage in in, in in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year unless you look at the Colorado Vegas series or uh, so or or the way the Islanders have played at at the at the Coliseum uh, d- during during their run. But I think the Bruins are cooked. I think the Boston Bruins are cooked. This team. Uh, I don't know how they recover. And also, how about Bruce Cassidy? Uh, and he, uh, he would, he compared, he thought that there was so much praise for, uh, for, for the Islanders that, that they, uh, that they, uh, that the, the officials missed calls against the Islanders. Oh, 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 good. Oh, oh, good. He was fined $25,000 for making a comment about the New York Saints. And they were, and the Saints were a lacrosse team that that when they held from the island for fourteen seasons before they folded the franchise. I mean, Bruce Cassidy, get a grip, get a clue. That the Islanders won that game because they had the better coach and the better uh, and they had the better coach and 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 the better goaltender. That was simple as that. And and. And I, I hearken back to, to the ways the Islanders have, have won games in the playoffs and that they, they can win in so many different ways as well. I think the, I think the Islanders are a bigger threat to Tampa than the Boston Bruins are. I, I do. I do. And, and, and again, I, I said before the season that Boston, New York, Washington, and Pittsburgh, all teams that, that were put in the same division, any one of those four teams can, uh, 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 is capable of winning the Stanley Cup if they get out of that division. Seriously, I really think that uh, the Islanders uh, can compete with Tampa. I don't think they're going to win against Tampa because I just think t- Tampa is built to a uh, to uh, to a zenith degree compared to the other teams I- I- in in the East. So I I, I can't wait to, to see how the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs go uh, with 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 the Islanders and yeah and all that because the Islanders. Once again, prove they are a fun, fun team to watch. And how about Borelli's last uh, on Monday night? And I was at Borelli's again. I, I, I was originally supposed to go to the beach on Monday, but I would not have made it back in time to, uh, to, uh, to go to Borelli's and, and watch the hockey game with so many diehard fans of the New York Islanders, including myself and, and and and, and you got, and again you give Dave Pornoy a ton of credit that uh, that Borelli's what uh, was was an afterthought at the end of last year and now it's and now it's booming it's resurrected from the dead and they even had to turn fans uh, turn fans away because uh, because even at a hundred percent capacity that they 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 couldn't fit everybody in I mean that that that's that that's why New York Islanders fans. Are some of the best in the NHL, and you can look at all the different fan bases. There is nothing like rooting for the New York Islanders in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and th- th- this is going to, this this era of Islanders hockey. No matter how much, uh, no matter how successful they are, whether or not they win the Stanley Cup or not, th- th- this is this is the second greatest era. Of, of New York Islanders hockey in franchise history behind, behind those, uh, behind the di- dynastic years of the 80s. The, these are the single best Islanders teams since their last Stanley Cup in 1983. So, 
This, this is so awesome. This is so fun to watch. And the Coliseum is going to be rocking. I'm, I, I know the, that the, I'm going to watch the U.S. Geological Survey, uh, monitor f- for earthquakes because the, 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 the Coliseum is going, it's going to be burnt to the ground if the Islanders win this series. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think it's going to be, uh, I don't think it's going to take it in a little f- asset. But the Islanders are, are, are 60 minutes away from what I deem the Eastern Conference Finals. Again. And, 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 and I view them as the fourth best team in the division. They were the fourth best team in the division during the regular season. But my guy, Barry Chotts, turn the, turn the tables around on the NHL once again. And with that, you gotta love sports. Now let's get into some conversation about the NBA and let, let's start with, with with the Eastern Conference matchups. Now I'm going to begin with the Philadelphia 76ers and the Atlanta Hawks and Joel Embiid had another phenomenal outing. 40 points started despite playing with uh, with what's what's believed to be a partially torn meniscus and, and, jo- and Joel Embiid is worth everything and he means everything. For the Philadelphia 76ers on, on so many different levels. Um, and, and you have to think about what Philadelphia was with and without him. Now, obviously, he was not the MVP because of, uh, he wasn't available like Nikola Jokic was. And you can argue Jokic was going to be the MVP anyways. But, but there, there are very few players, uh, that, that are as valuable in, in sports uh, to their teams as Philadelphia has with Joel Embiid, and there were all these questions with Embiid going into the season, and Joel Embiid has answered so so many of those questions um, throughout the course of the season, and 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 this is against a a young, physical, loose Atlanta Hawks team uh, uh, that 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 uh, that um. That that took the Knicks out in five games last uh, in their in their most recent series and and the, the game logs d- d- during the playoffs have have just been magnificent uh, when you look at it for for uh, Mr. Joel Embiid and you 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 could see um and in the in the four game sweep in the in the four games he played against Washington that. He he had 30, 30, 22, 36, and eight points in each of those four games, but by by in in the two games so far against Atlanta, in which he played, he played thirty eight minutes in game one. He played thirty four minutes on on Tuesday uh, Tuesday in game two. He's averaged thirty nine and a half points, averaged eleven rebounds, average averaged two blocks, a steal and a half, and three assists in, in, in per game so far, and and he 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 just t- t- takes takes the entire entire team to the next level. He was plus thirteen on on Sunday in their in their four point loss, and then and then he he just and then they they just took out the Hawks um by sixteen points on on um on Tuesday night, and and now the series is tied one one. They're going back to Atlanta for game three. We're going to see. How, how Trey Young and and all those uh, those young guys respond to, uh, to the pressure of of winning winning at home, and, 
and and I I think if if Joel Embiid is is it, it can contribute in that way, I think it's going to this is a big time boom for the Philadelphia 76ers now. In uh, the, the, let alone beat Atlanta, beat Atlanta. Can they beat a, a Brooklyn Nets team that that just punked the Milwaukee Bucks on Monday night? It was uh, that the one twenty five to eighty six was the final of of that game last night on on a m- Monday night. I just mean Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were just magnificent and. If they they could win, uh, they they could win a series, uh, with without James Harden. That that's gonna that that's gonna spell bad news for for um, uh, for the, for the rest of the league. And I I had my doubts. Uh, you you know me. If you've listened to my podcast since uh, for the last six months, I've had my doubts about uh Brooklyn's ability to play defense. Um. They, 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 they're they're going to be like the 2000 to 2001 um, uh, LA Lakers. The Lakers were 19 in the NBA in team defense during the regular season, and and then 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 they they, they just coasted through the regular season, and then 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 they just completely turned it on when it, when it came to the playoffs, and, and they wound up easily beating the Philadelphia 76ers in in that 2001 NBA Finals. That 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 that's the case to be said about Brooklyn. And, and about about defense and the 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 Knicks had the number one scoring defense in the NBA uh, dur- during the regular season and and, and for for a Knicks team that that that's been dreadful defensively that's kind of a big deal but they were destroyed but by, by the Atlanta Hawks in the playoffs the the the, the Nets can play a playoff caliber defense I think that uh, I I think the Nets are are going to uh, wind up winning the championship and I don't know how Milwaukee uh, comes back to win the series after lo- losing two games like that so it's going to be fascinating to see Game Three on Thursday night Game Four would be on Sunday as th- this this coming Sunday. And James Harden is not available, or won't be available because of his right hamstring injury. Uh, but with James Harden, without James Harden, the Acadia and Kyrie led Brooklyn Nets, they, they were a favorite to win the championship preseason uh, for for said reasons. So it's going to be fascinating to, wa- to watch those stories unfold. And how about the the West? Um, the Fe- Phoenix and Denver are the... I believe it was Phoenix that won Game One on on Monday night, um, and then and then the Clippers Jazz series. It was um, the the, um, the the Utah Jazz. I, I barely got by the Clippers in Game One, but the the Suns are such a magnificently coached team. Monty Williams was was a was a barely second. For NBA Coach of the Year, he was just eleven points behind Tom Thibodeau of the Knicks, who won Coach of the Year. But and and Game Two is tonight. It's going to be another fun game down in Phoenix before the series shifts to Denver for you know, ga- Games Three and Four. And 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 the this I think it's the game the Suns need to win. I think they need to be ready for some adjustments that are going to be coming from. Uh, from uh, from the Denver Nuggets. So if you're a, a Suns fan, I would much rather prefer uh, be, uh, be, uh, being up two games to none over, over uh, tied one one, obviously. 
But if you're the Denver Nuggets, I think you have to wonder if the loss of Jamal Murray is going to hamper them at the end. And and, and I I predicted Phoenix would win this series in six because I I think Phoenix is deeper and they're more inspired and they're and they're better coached. So I I think that this is a team uh, that 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 can absolutely win the series. They can they can certainly compete with Utah in, in the Eastern Conference Finals. So uh, Western Conference Finals, excuse me. So it, that that's gonna be a ton of fun f- from that perspective. So NBA, NFL, NHL. But I want to get into a couple of topics in, in Major League Baseball. So. So we so we figured uh we figured out a couple of things. There's a but here's this rule I I think if you're a fan of the Yankees, if your team is old, fragile, and slow, I think it's I think it's time to make a change. Yeah, that that team is the New York Yankees. Right now they are 32 and 29, and 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 they're well and they're six games off the pace. In the American League, in in the um American League East, behind the Tampa Rays and the Boston Red Sox, that who, who swept the Yankees in the Bronx over the weekend, their first sweep in the Bronx since uh, in in years. But but the pitching, particularly Gary Cole and the bullpen, notwithstanding the controversial comments made by Cole yesterday. About about the uh, the substance abuse uh, by pitchers on the mound, which is a whole different story. But but the Yankees, they, they in in their last uh, their last eleven games, they lost eight of the last eleven games. They including they got swept by the lowly Tigers after sweeping Detroit in at, in the Bronx earlier in the month. That they, they split a four game series with the with the Rays and then uh, and then the Red Sox they they get swept. But the Yankees, but the Yankees hitting has taken such an unacceptable number of unacceptable at bats all season long. Their approach with men in scoring position isn't very distinguished. They're wasting so many opportunities to win close games and hitters aren't willing to adjust or change their approach and that's kind of a big deal and I think Marcus Tams is, is a good hitting coach and, and you have to give him a lot of credit for, you know, for the, uh, for the, 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 these hitting success over the last couple of seasons. But he's gonna get himself run if, if, if this team is, uh, is, is going to produce. Now, it might not be fair and he should be an attractive hitting coach candidate for a team that needs one. But, but, uh, but, um, but the, the results are going to matter and this is a results oriented league. But what's also a big deal. The Yankees have not been, uh, Aaron Boone has not been inspiring. This is what should have alarmed Yankees fans about Aaron Boone. Phil Nevin, who just returned from the team with a three-week absence because of a positive COVID test, had to get himself run from the game from that bogus strike three call in the ninth inning on Sunday night. Aaron Boone should have been the one barking and being aggressive at home plate umpire Gabe Morales. And Red Sox fans want Gabe, uh, uh, and Bruins fans probably want Gabe Morales, uh, umpire, uh, being the ref in Game Six tonight at the Coliseum. But for a franchise whose fans label every year as championship or bust, is it? It is. Is it time to try something different? You know, have the, have his boys played inspired baseball? Now, 
Aaron Boone's big, big game in-game management has not been stellar. And it was clearly the reason they lost to Tampa last year in the playoffs. And a reason they've lost a bunch of games this season. But do you know who the Yankees should scrutinize but they never will? Brian Cashman. Brian Cashman has continually grown uninspired to do his job as the channel manager of the Yankees. Especially since your other architects of the 90s dynasty are no longer around like Gene Michael. Do you know how many championships the Yankees have won since Gene Michael left? One. Now, the front office has seized more control over game planning than managers themselves. And the GM of a Major League Baseball team is now equivalent to the head coach of an NFL team. Now it's time to look at some numbers entering Tuesday night's games. The Yankees are one of 10 teams whose average hitter age is 29 years old. And among those 10 teams, they are last in man and average, last in hits, last in runs scored per game, last in stolen bases, last in stolen base attempts. That's a big problem. The Yankees offense has not been this inept since at least 1972. The Yankees are 30th in wins above replacement from the outfielders of the 30 clubs. And what did the Yankees do this offseason with their outfielders? Bring back Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner is hitting 190 in his first 147 plate appearances entering before last night's game. Other than that, they did nothing. The only player on the active roster who was not on the team last year was Runya Dodor. And you know what Runya Dodor's batting average is? 180. Now, I believe with a weak American League that the Yankees will find their way back into the playoffs and get hot again. But does anyone think they can win with this roster in the playoffs? I don't think so. And here, also, here's another hot take. And, and, and Yankees fans need to, I need to be honest with the Yankees fans. I, and, and this is, this is a blunt evaluation of the managerial position for the New York Yankees. Do you know who should be the next manager of the Yankees? Do you know who should be the next manager of the Yankees? Terry Collins. Why? Because he's feisty. He's inspired. He can maximize the talent of his players. And most importantly, he has balls. Yes, he has the balls to manage in this league. Yes, Mets fans went through a, a roller coaster during his tenure as a man. But he made huge impacts on many of the young players he's managed. Like Jacob deGrom. And after back-to-back four starts, he was the one that hugged Jacob deGrom and... And, you know, in his last, in, in the last 1,000, last 900 innings pitched, uh, or so, Jacob DeGrom has like a 2.12 ERA. And now Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball now. And do you know what George Steinbrenner would have done? Fire Aaron Boone. Do you know what Hank Steinbrenner, uh, uh, do you know what the Steinbrenner should do now? Fire Aaron Boone. And, and this long silence, what, what, what was was for a reason. They should fire Aaron Boone. Now, speaking of Jacob DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. And Jacob DeGrom uh, has proven to be an historically, transcendentally great pitcher in, in Major League Baseball. And, and, the, and, the, and, the, and this whole thing about the 
about the substances that pitchers use for for the baseballs and and manipulating the baseballs. Do, do you know? Do you know? Uh, do you know what, what uh, a pitcher who uh, who's uh, who's uh, who whose stats can back up using uh, back him up as being clean from from foreign substances? Jacob Degrom. Jacob Degrom's spin rate from pitch to pitches, or with different pitches, is five times lower than that of Garrett Cole. It's time to appreciate Jacob Degrom, and 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 the best pitcher baseball has to offer. He has a zero point six two ERA. He uh he has a fit. Well, he's averaging fourteen and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He's striking out more than forty percent of the batters he's faced. He has the lowest whip of any pitcher in baseball at zero point five seven. Not even close, uh, uh from, from the field. His uh, the the second highest ERA in baseball is Kevin Gossman, who has a one point two seven ERA. It's time for 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 baseball to appreciate the greatness of Jacob Degrom. Jacob Degrom is a must watch every five days, and he'll be pitching on Friday against San Diego in fr- in front of a. A, a a newly expansive crowd uh the, the, and with with a capacity limit of 30,000 which is more than double that from the last home stand and i expect him to show up i i know the i know that the padres are going to make some adjustments because uh, this will be the second time uh, he's uh, they they've seen him and, and and in the lineup of uh, uh oh, that includes Manny uh, Manny Machado that includes Fernando Tatis Jr that includes Eric Hosmer he you, you know he threw seven scoreless innings against against that Padres offense and and how about for the Mets as a whole now la- last night was rough for the Mets David Peterson couldn't get out of the third inning but i think what's important for mets fan uh, for, for the mets as they uh, as uh, as as the um as the mets continue on in, in the nl east the the the, the mets are, have the largest division lead of, of any uh, division leader in, in in the national league they are two and a half games ahead of the atlanta braves in, in the division, and the Mets have a lot of games against Atlanta coming up in the next uh, in the next uh, eight weeks. I think that they have uh, four different series where where they're playing a, a so so many games. Um, but it's time to give the Mets some news. The Mets have missed half of their lineup. Well, and that includes Jeff McNeil. That includes Michael Conforto. That includes Brandon Nimmo. That includes J.D. Davis. And a rotation that 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 right now, that so far has excluded Carlos Carrasco and Nova Syndergaard. The, the the lineup has has been uh, has has been a nightmare for obvious reasons. But the the Mets have been playing uh, Mets have been playing much better since May first. That they are, they are one of the one of the the, the league leaders with, with team batting average and runners in scoring positions since the first of May. And and you look you look at the rest of the division. The the Phillies are a flawed team. The Phillies are not going to be serious contenders unless they start winning on the road. The 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 Braves have been have been an absolute mess despite a Ronald Acuna Jr. with as one of the co leaders of the American League of Baseball with 18 home runs. But the the Braves pitching has been has been as has been a mess. Uh, the the Marlins have been a disaster. 
Um, the the not the the what else is going on? The the Nationals have proven to be an abject disaster. Steven Strasburg just went on the injured list. Patrick Corbin has a six point two ERA, and and the Nationals can't win Max Scherzer starts. So so the, the and the only team right now that that's playing like a playoff team. Uh, and sh- and the only team that should be considered as a team that can make the playoffs right now with the way they're playing in the, in the division is the New York Mets. The only team that's playing like a playoff team right now in the division is the Mets. And and you and you, you could look at Francisco Lindor as well, but yeah, yes, the Mets gave him a 10-year, $341 million contract extension. But he single-handedly made the Mets defense so much better. And the Mets found their identity in, in that series against San Diego. They're going to win games with pitching and defense. What a freaking concept, America! You and uh, the Mets are going to win games with pitching and defense. And and and, and there, there there's going to be a point where the offense becomes a strength and become becomes a death problem for so many teams. But but, but the results of of the Mets Padres series in San Diego over the weekend. With the Mets' best pitchers going against the Padres' best pitchers, that's a problem for the rest of the division. So, and also congratulations to Essential Quality for winning the 153rd running of the Belmont Stakes. And I got to give a lot of credit to Hot Rod Charlie. That his his opening quarter mile in the Belmont Stakes was 22 and three fifth seconds. It was the fastest opening quarter mile in Belmont Stakes history. And the opening half mile was 46 and 2, also the fastest half mile in the history of the Belmont. And for him to own, uh, to, to finish in 2 minutes 27 uh, against the, uh, against the essential quality who had a bad, uh, a bad break in the Kentucky Derby. I mean, they're they're going to be the, they're going to be, uh, they, right now essential quality and hot rod Charlie are the two best three year old Colts. In the in the country right now, and I fully expect them to to uh, to uh, to race uh, uh, race against each other over the summer, and I also think those uh, the, uh, the, their seeds will end in the Breeders' Cup Classic. So so much uh, so much uh, to look forward to. But that will do it for this edition of Hooked on Sports. Again, once again, thank you to everybody uh, who has listened to this podcast for 100 episodes, and I'm looking forward to. The, the next 100. So st- stay tuned for some uh, for some fun content coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but until then, my name is John Flynn. Remember, you, uh, uh, you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify. Or wherever you get, or wherever you get your podcasting streaming services. Uh, you, you Also, remember to like the Facebook page, Hooked on Sports Podcast. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Hooked underscore on Sports and on Instagram at Hooked underscore on Sports. And you can follow me on Twitter at JohnFlynn97 and on Instagram at JFlizzy. That'll do it. So, so long and I'll see you for episode 101. Talk to you later, everybody. So long.